Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Welcome to the episode today that is brought to you by betonline.ag. Today, we are continuing our Chicago sports movie podcast series. And today, take your chance, do your dance. It's the Space Jam. We're hitting Space Jam today uh, with a couple of dudes who know a thing or two about cartoons and hoops. We're going to introduce some resident guests back to the show. First, we're going to say hello to Mike Choi. How are you, Mike? Joey, I am ready to jam. Space jam, that is. And a man who always you could believe that he could fly, Kyle Moore. What's up, Kyle? Space jam. Space. <laughs> a character created and then done for many years, created by Space Jam by Kyle Moore himself in our sketch group called The Cool Table. So here's how it's going to work, you guys. Uh, we're gonna, just going to go through the movie Space Jam, and let's just get it started for the audience and the people that maybe have never seen it before. Kyle, if you could, in your own words, Give us a brief synopsis of the film Space Jam. Okay. Open. No, um, yeah. Did the, I mean, first I, I want to say, like, uh, the movie holds up. So it really does. I just watched it with my seven-year-old, and he loved it. And he doesn't, you know, and he's never even watched a basketball game before. And uh, and never will, thanks to uh, coronavirus. No. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but he... He, he, he loved it. And uh, so, yeah, the, I mean, these aliens, they, their theme park stinks and they need some entertainment. So they go to kidnap the uh, Looney Tunes and the Looney Tunes uh, challenge them to a contest that they have to pick since the aliens are small. The Looney Tunes pick uh, basketball. And so the aliens, they need some skills, so they head to Earth and they uh, absorb the skills of the NBA players of, was it 93? 96. 96, right? So, uh, yeah, and, uh, but they didn't get Michael Jordan, because as we all know, in 96, uh, he was playing baseball, or right before, right, 95, so. During filming, yes. Uh, so, yeah, he was, he was on the, he, he was uh, not a basketball player, so they didn't know to go after the great one. And uh, then he joins the Looney Tunes, and it's a battle for all ages, and the rest is history, I believe. Don't tell him who won. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and, and Troy, I wanted to ask you, are there any um, uh, life lessons that maybe you learned coming out of Space Jam besides the pitfalls of gambling? Um, uh, <laughs> a Michael Jordan trait that I think uh, probably There were no you. pitfalls. He, think- <laughs> he won all the several bets that he made in the movie. He gambled the whole time and won. I, mean, I know, but just true to Michael Jordan's form, uh, gambling just continued to raise the stakes. Now we know why he was attracted to the script because uh, there's, yeah, multiple, yeah. there's <laughs> multiple gambling moments. Uh, are there any other life lessons? Raise the stakes a little bit. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, both, both, both in terms of the movie and then in real life, it's like, don't bet against Michael Jordan because he always, anything he touches turns to gold. This movie, which is now almost 25 years old, made $230 million, which is still the all-time uh, biggest basketball sports movie there is. And in, the, in this whole scheme of, of overall sports movies, it technically ranks 23rd all-time, but that you have to take in with the caveat that on this list, for some reason, uh, the Fast and Furious franchise is a part of, is considered sports movies. So when you kind of take out those movies, uh, Pixar's Cars, then it automatically kind of vaults into the top 10. So that's crazy to think that to this day, you know, uh, this, this property. And, and, and the thing that still drives me, like, I still can't believe, like, Michael Jordan, like, had the foresight to think, like, hey, like, 
you know, when, when he got pitched to this idea, I think anybody else would have been, you guys are crazy. You want me to do a movie with Bugs Bunny? I mean, just pitching the man that idea, but for whatever reason, had the foresight to say, Let, let's give it a shot. And it turns into another success. It's just like, And it had MJ. to be so crazy the whole time he was doing it too. I mean, because the whole thing was shot on green screen and he just had to act a, a, with these guys with full on green suits the whole time. And he yeah, did the behind he the did scenes the is crazy. Time. And is it fair to say, like, I mean, this technology was still something that was evolving at the time. I mean, is Michael Jordan one of the first lead actors to perhaps shoot a predominant amount of his shots on set with a green screen? I mean, I don't know the true answer yeah, to that, but it's got to be pretty Iron close. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first. So you're telling me I get, I'm gambling with the, with the green guy here. Um, so let's take it back to the beginning here. And I just kind of want to throw this out there. I mean, the movie starts out with a bang, directed by Ivan Reitman, Ghostbusters fame, and many, many other movies. So all of a sudden, you know something solid there. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, well, it, uh, it was produced by Ivan Reitman, but it was actually directed by Joe Pitka. Oh, but, yes. I mean, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, 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 produ- yeah. Pro- uh, yeah, yeah. An Ivan Reitman production, I guess we're, we're yes, calling that then. Yes, okay, yes, correct. Yes. Um, composer, James Newton Howard, uh, The Fugitive, Pretty Woman, Devil's Advocate. Uncredited producer, uh, producer score on Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Signs, Blood Diamond, on and on and on. So you got a great score right there. And let's just start at the beginning. Perhaps one of the best opening credits of all time. I love yeah. opening credits. And let's be real. Uh, take your chance, do your dance. It's a Space Jam. Got Quad City DJs <laughs> on the track. And the whole opening credits is just Michael Jordan highlights. I mean, I'm sorry. This is a Believe in Betting Chicago podcast. Is there anything better? I mean, just give me highlights of MJ. I mean, I don't care if we're watching like, put on blood diamond or whatever just give me just give me michael jordan highlights man i know like i remember turning i haven't not seen it in you know in 10 years and turning it on with my seven-year-old and that those credits and then you're just like oh hell yeah this is gonna be great oh <laughs> uh, yeah i totally forgot happy mike well i mean yeah i mean right it's strangely it was kind of like a precursor to this last dance series that we recently saw right with all the highlights but uh even even a step before that 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 teaser where it's young michael jordan oh humble shooting. beginnings yeah i mean I, listen listen man i i am a sucker for schmaltz and i know that scene was specifically meant to tug at your heartstrings but i mean who who amongst us hasn't been that kid who's been outside shooting that basket to win the game winning game you know hitting that game winning home run scoring the game winning touchdown so that really just like you know that that nostalgia, that sentimentality, like that really just like pulled at my heartstrings. So right away for me, the tone was set. Yeah. I don't want to step on uh, our unrealistic topic, but quick uh, unrealistic nominee <laughs> of uh, young Jordan shooting the jumpers in there and saying the goals that he wants to accomplish in life. We all know young MJ was like, I'm going to get cut from my team. I'm going to make everyone pay for it for the rest of my life. Swish. Yeah. Uh, Byron Russell is going to tell me that I can't play the game no more. And I'm going to come back and roast him. Swish. Uh, LeBradford Smith is going to house me in a first half. I'm going to come back and score 38 on him. Swish. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of Last Dance, and there's a cut scene uh, in the movie, if you look on YouTube, where one of the Monstars tells Jordan that he ain't got it anymore, and then it's all over. (laughs) And then it immediately goes to a PG-13 cut. Uh, (laughs) The following scene has mature language in it. So, I mean, you've got an amazing opening credits. Uh, yeah, I agree. The humble beginnings is very interesting. And, and what's fun about doing this right now is it is paired so close to the last dance where now we actually do kind of have more of the, the linear detail of, of his childhood, according to Jordan and that documentary, of course. But you've got those humble beginnings. I did really enjoy, too, as well as 
you know, you've got all this, we got all the Looney Tunes stuff and it's a kid's movie, but it still is finding these really interesting ways to have these kind of like little micro jokes in there. Like I really enjoyed all the baseball players are really, really nice to MJ. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, that's a good look at, look, no one can wear the uniform like that. Like, you know, can't teach that. Can't teach the way you use that uniform. Uh, the catcher is giving him tips uh, yeah. about what kind of pitches are coming. Um, it's just such an interesting, like, uh, a little twist right there and a kind of a jab at what Jordan was trying to accomplish at that particular time. Um, and so quickly, like, cause I mean that, that movie had to been made like right when he was leaving baseball, right? Like, uh, yeah. So the story, so I, the timeline is, uh, he played baseball, uh, through the end of 93 through 94. Um, the baseball, uh, and then he came back in, um, he came back in 95, the spring of 95, they were ousted by the magic that summer. He shoots space jam. So no longer playing baseball, officially back playing basketball. But then as last dance told it, he got that gym, started playing those pickup games. And as I said on a previous podcast before space jam is perhaps the greatest moment or the most pivotal inflection point in Michael Jordan's career slash Chicago bulls history. Because in theory, if he doesn't get this gym and start playing with all the old ex-NBA guys in this secluded place in L.A. where he can rebuild his body, does MJ really come back and win three titles? I don't know. Like, Space Jam is actually an incredibly important movie in Chicago <laughs> sports history. Uh, it's insane. And then the movie itself came out in November of 96. Yep. Um, so basically, Jordan comes back. They, they film all that summer. He comes back, wins the title, and then comes back. And I believe the Bulls were 10-0 and 0 at the time when the movie actually is finally released. So Jordan's on top of the world's best basketball player in the world, got the title back under his belt, and now Space Jam has come out in the movie. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, but they would have had to like, start writing this thing and like that baseball angle like right when it was happening. You know what I mean? Like It just like worked because it is such a good – like not twist, but just plot point that he was not one of the basketball players at the time. Like it just worked so perfectly that I'm like wondering, like, did it, like, was that just like a lucky accident? They were writing it and then that happened and they're like, Oh, this is perfect. I'm with you. I mean, it's almost like perfectly slotted in terms of not just like his career, but like, it seems sort of seamless. Right. And I think we might have to imagine that like, the writer for Space Jam wasn't just like dropping it off like a tome and being like, it is done. I mean, yeah. they, were re they were rewriting pages left and right. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Well, no, listening to the oral history, the, the project came about really quick because I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, David Falk, Michael Jordan's agent, is actually credited as a co-producer on the film. So this very much was in line with him coming back making his comeback into basketball so yeah the notes must have been fast and furious in terms of the drafts and so forth but like very much this was of the time of him making his comeback so I mean I can't imagine that it was it was in, in development any more than a couple of months before they probably actually started shooting um, they actually even brought Joe Pickett back because uh, the whole reason he got selected to direct it was he had actually do you guys remember uh, it was actually like a couple of years before Space Jam where Jordan did a couple of uh, Super Bowl ads featuring the Looney Tunes, kind of in the revival of the Looney Tunes. So they kind of had the precedent of, OK, this this kind of merger between uh, cartoons and real life animation can work. And Michael had already actually had experience actually with Pika and Looney Tunes. So the whole project, yeah, like came about really quickly, uh, basically to facilitate reestablishing his brand, you know, and as, as this is sort of at the Bill Murray. Of 
Oh, oh, go ahead, Kyle. Do you think Bill Murray, like, did the oral history say anything about him? Like, was it Ivan Reitman that went and got him, or Michael Jordan just picked up the phone and got him? I mean, I think the line. I think the line in the movie where he's like, uh, "The producer's a friend of mine." I yeah, think that literally. is real. And yeah. honestly, let's just get into it right now. Uh, you know, Bill Murray. Uh, are any of those lines written? I'm not even sure. And look, like. <laughs> I think all three of us are huge Bill Murray fans, right? He classic legendary. I think we can name 10 movies that we like that are probably better than Space Jam that have Bill Murray in it. But I got to be honest with you. Is this like the funny, the funniest per line, like the proportions of his lines that are funny per actual lines in the movie is so high that it's just, it's out of control. Like rewatching it. I don't think Bill Murray says one line that isn't funny. You know, sometimes when you're an actor in a movie, you got to carry exposition, you got to carry mood, you got to do all this other kinds of stuff. Every single line in this movie that Bill Murray says is hilarious. I mean, like his, his, his batting average is like 920 or something like that in this movie. Go ahead, Kyle. Well, he was such a megastar back then. I mean, cameos weren't really uh, a thing. I mean, you didn't even do TV if you were a movie star. And like, so I doubt there's too many scripts that he said yes to where he was not the, you know, the title character. And so, yeah, as a, as the number two, you know, he was just, he was comic relief in a cartoon. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. just, and pretty much has like free reign. Uh, the famous story obviously goes as, you know, that golf game, which is an amazing scene of him and Larry Bird and MJ, uh, obviously in Wayne Knight, uh, they're all playing golf. And obviously that's a big attractor, right? For both MJ, Larry Bird, and Bill Murray. Hey, come play golf for a couple of days and just and just sort of mess around a little bit. And just Bill Murray sitting there, just be like, You are my friend, you are my enemy, you are my ally, you are my weapon. Like, you know what I mean? Like just kind of back in the caddyshack mode, you know, a guy that kind of maybe uh bristles at sequels and stuff. It's just like the dude just comes in and it's just hitting haymakers like left and right like every single line in this movie is just so hilarious from bill murray yeah. it's, it's an incredible an incredible performance like way underrated highly 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 underrated oh um, and he was like the, a forerunner of today's nba when he goes whoa, whoa, whoa i don't play defense i mean that mentality <laughs> is like today's nba so he's like the godfather of that mentality yeah. um but yeah you're, you're totally right like he, he nails every line like even just like you're right, Joey. Like, he's got to have ad-libbed a lot of these lines because even when he's in the golf cart at the golf game and he's like, I'm going to give us twos, Larry, because we were not in the mental shape to, like, uh, after that incident. So, I mean, like... That's such yeah. a golf joke. And he's like, yeah. we, need, we need people to reinvigorate the sport, perhaps perform at halftime. You know, maybe you can call David Stern for me. Like, that, you know this is all, like, off the cuff, right? And they're just letting yeah. Bill Murray just kind of roll, like, just roll camera on Bill. Um, and, you know, and the other thing, too, is, like, right, as Chicagoans, we know that... Bill Murray is synonymous with like Chicago sports, right? So conversely, he just must have been like in heaven. Like, wait, I get to shoot. I don't know how many days Bill Murray was on set, but however, however many days it was, I get to shoot with Michael Jordan. Like, that's my job. You're paying me to act alongside Michael Jordan and kind of mess around and have a great time, probably shooting a lot of baskets around with Jordan during, uh, you know, all the timeouts. So it's like, yeah, it's like a match made in heaven. Totally. Yeah, come and go as he pleases. All right, guys, we're going to get into some of the categories here in a second. But first, got to do an online read from our sponsor this week. And who else would it be? That's right. It's BetOnline.ag. We love these guys. They support us every single week. And there's no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports slowly making their way back. Yes. 
with UFC, boxing, and NASCAR. Soccer already leading the way, including golf. BetOnline.ag has all the best odds line for the upcoming games and matches. For looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the business. So visit BetOnline.ag, use our mobile device, and join now to receive your welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, guys, let's get into some categories here. We are going to do a little trivia trivia here first. Uh, my first one is, so the Monstars steal the talent from the NBA players. And I kind of wanted to ask you guys, is there, is there a talent that would, would terrify you if a Monstar stole it from you? Um, you know, for <laughs> me, it's my talent for eating $25 worth of McDonald's in one sitting. Uh, I, don't want to, I don't want that going around. I don't want that passed out there. Uh, is there any, is there any sort of talent that if you lost, uh, it would be a terrifying situation. It'd be, you'd be hearing basketball Jones in your head. <laughs> no, <laughs> no talents, <laughs> no talents. <Kyle? laughs> I mean, I don't think crack wise would be, uh, one of their, <laughs> he, stole, he stole all of his smart aleckness. <laughs> yeah. Well, it definitely goes into one of my more uh Monstars would not want my uh my flat feet and my male pattern baldness. Hey buddy, they took Sean Bradley's talent. Don't sell yourself short, all right? If they're going after Sean Bradley, they can easily go after your flat feet. Trust me, man. It is completely it's completely a category that is possible. Uh is there a talent like that you'd be afraid to lose? Um not that I can think of cuz uh, I don't have many talents as sadly as that is to report, but uh, Look at you two. Pick yourselves up. Come on. You're you wonderful, know, but talented gentlemen. While while we're on the topic of Sean Bradley, and I don't know if we're gonna we were gonna discuss this before, but can I just say that the MVP of this movie might be Sean Bradley's agent? Because I mean, I understand he's seven six, and I understand that was kind of the cartoonish aspect of his of his physicality. But like, you know, the same thing with like Muggsy Bowes being so short. But it's like, how did Sean Bradley get into this movie amongst like some of the other uh, all stars that were in the league that year? So that, that it's crazy because, you know, you have guys, I was looking at the 96 all-star team. You had Shaq who would have been the perfect replacement for Sean Bradley, right? Very cartoonish, big, bigger than life character. You had Sean Kemp, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, Scotty Pippen even. I don't, you know, I don't know if that was too on the nose to have. Yeah. Where was Pip? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, how did Sean Bradley get in this movie? Yeah. Larry Johnson. Real tall dude, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, Larry Johnson, you got the grandmama angle. Patrick Ewing, they shot at the garden. Makes sense. Charles Barkley, one of the most outspoken players in the game. And Muggsy Bogues, uh, you know, I think he's, uh, gosh, I don't want to say oddity and make it sound pejorative. It's not. I mean, Muggsy Bogues was an incredible basketball player. He averaged seven or more assists eight out of nine years in his career and averaged over 10 assists a game twice in his career. The dude was five, four years old. Also has one of my favorite lines in the movie. They actually give Muggsy Bogues, the line, it's probably something psychosomatic or an alignment with the planets or something. I'm with you, Muggsy. I'm with you. I'm with you. Give, give, give Muggsy the heavy exposition uh, lifting <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a composition of what they wanted the, the dudes to look like. You know, you, do, you got the short, you know, fast guy, and you just need – I mean, he was seven six, so they probably just asked all the seven six guys who wants to do it. And Shaq probably wanted, you know, too much money. 
well, he probably yeah, wanted to be a main character, and I'm kind of getting confused now when Blue Chips came out and when Kazam, uh, Kazam came out, and he was also in uh, where he was the metal. Steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, real steel. Is that what it was? I think just steel, yeah. Steel. Just steel? Okay. Yeah, I didn't do any shack prep on this before I walked in here. But thanks, thanks for picking me up. Um, my next one for you guys is, um, so, you know, the Monstars. Uh, if I can quote uh, Bugs Bunny here for a second, the Monstars want to take over all the Looney Tunes and bring them over to Moron Mountain. And at the time, uh, Bugs Bunny says, uh, you want to take us into slavery? That would be bad. I agree with you, Bugs. Um, Kind of a weird dark line there uh, in the middle of everything and so the yeah, team, I, th- yeah they say sl- i watched it with my seven-year-old and they throw they talk about slaves and slavery a lot throughout the- <laughs> yes they drop it a lot <laughs> yeah it's it's oddly it, there's a dark uh kind of undertone uh running through this running through this bad boy here and so uh the looney tunes have to decide uh, bugs comes up with this thing as well you have to play in this competition and then blah 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 but he comes up with basketball, and I'm just kind of, you know, spitballing here. You know, do we have any options of maybe what they could have picked? Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe fucking anything else. Uh, Literally, these squad were slugs. That's never played basketball before. I mean, I get that it's a, a, small, a sport for tall people, but I mean, you know, we could have done a lot of things here. You got Roadrunner, right? You could have done a, you could have done a race. You know what I mean? You could have done like a comedy tournament. You could have done, in a, you know, a, a shooting or a, a archery contest of some kind. Why aren't we utilizing the skills of the Looney Tunes here? I mean, there could have been something else. But I feel like anything they would have chosen, the Monstars would have gone after, you know, if it was wrestling, they'd go after the WWE guys, which should be a movie. <laughs> oh, I think we just did it now. <laughs> copyright copyright infringement yeah yeah well the thought process is a little weird too right because it's the whole idea that they're going to enslave as we talked about uh the looney tune characters but then what is bugs's idea once they pick basketball we're gonna kidnap michael jordan so it's kind of like they're using the same sentiment to then kind of bolster their squad so, yeah there's a lot of yeah. transactional behavior uh in this thing that i just don't think uh i just don't think is acting in a good conscience or with a pure heart uh, and then you're bringing in gambling MJ here. And you know what I mean? Just when they have things going, uh, MJ, of course, yeah, doubles down, uh, puts his own soul and life on the line uh, if they don't win the game. And that just makes things a little bit, uh, that makes things a little bit more difficult. And when he lands in Toontown, he accepts it pretty quick. <laughs> He's so calm. <laughs> MJ, calm and cool and collected, man. I mean, I mean, talk about a leader. Talk about the GOAT, right? Yeah, taken to the center of the earth, which is Looney Town, Looney Tune Land. Didn't know it was in the center of the earth. That's a whole nother podcast in itself. Yeah, dude, and just yeah. I'm in an alternate dimension. What's going on here? Hey, <laughs> what's going on here? I'm MJ. Oh. I'm not busy. So should we talk about his acting a little bit? I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, I I say, like totally passable. Yes. Right. Like, yes. Good job. Uh, I, I go go ahead, Mike. I want to hear yours. I a hundred percent agree. I thought you know, I, obviously this isn't Shakespeare, but all things considered, I thought he was very natural, very comfortable in the role. I mean, obviously he was playing himself, but uh, you know, the thing is, it's like as we kind of talked about earlier that Kyle totally nailed. Like, dude had to act most of the movie with green screen, uh, and then people dressed in green screen suits 
that represented the the Looney Tunes character. So the fact that he that that added element of acting, you guys are actors more so than I am. So you guys know, like you know, I, that level of difficulty added to it. And that he still came off as pretty natural. I mean, I, I thought, yeah, I, you, I don't think there's any part of the movie where you're like, wow, he is just, uh, he, he's, not, uh, he's not nailing it, you know? Well, you I'm know what's funny, count. though, is, is that his acting opposite the cartoon characters is more believable than, like, with his wife and children. Oh, really? Like, it is, I'm, it's I'm, more, I'm, I'm the other more side. stale. I'm, no, really, I'm on the other side, man. I mean, I find the stuff with the Looney Tunes stuff passable, uh, but when uh, I, I actually really like the scenes with his kids, I think it's mm. like kind of like layback MJ. Like I'm with you, like maybe like a touch stiff in a couple of places, but at the same time, like I think he's actually a really great straight man. Like they yeah. don't really ask him to do anything else, but to continue to move the story along. Like the, Hey, what's going on here? The, Hey, we got to practice. Hey, we got to, you know what I mean? Like, and you know what? He does a really great job. Like I wouldn't have minded uh, an MJ story about like a father, like down on his luck, trying to like keep his family together or something. Like I don't know if we would have been able to get some tears out of the guy. His Oscar know. monologue. Yeah, but I mean, the, his dig at the end of those guys who've been like have just like had their whole lives <laughs> destroyed, <laughs> and he comes in. You guys are terrible. <laughs> You're getting your butts kicked. <laughs> I mean, that's real MJ right there. That's the pure yeah. thing. I mean, honestly, his best scene is on the golf course. Uh, it's, yeah. his, it's his most, like, pure, like, he's, he's kind of doing a little ad libs, like, after golf shots, kind of shouting different stuff out. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, on a scale of 10, I'm giving the GOAT, like, a 6. I really am. Yeah. And, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think the, the arrow's pointing up. <laughs> yeah, for, like, if you put him in – in with like other sports actors like think of like snl like when sports guys go and do snl it's just always hot garbage except for barkley you know who's probably the go to snl <laughs> well and the other one i'll tell you too is if you're curious if you want any like athlete composites just watch dennis rodman in double trouble uh you'll you you'll you'll figure it out you'll figure it out it'll make mj look like daniel day lewis trust me um there's two more things i want to hit before we get out of here and we're going to do a little trivia. Um, so I think, uh, the best way to do it is, uh, Hmm, let's just say, uh, hit them high, hit them high is going to be the buzzer. Uh, we're not going to do buzz or whatever. So if you think, you know, the answer just say, hit them high, hit them high. And, uh, the first question of my trivia is who is the second leading scorer in the tune squad game? Am I, am I? Go for it, Kyle. Is it not Lola Rabbit? Not Lola Rabbit. Incorrect. The second leading score for the Toon Squad. It's tough. I got to be honest. It, it's meant to stump you. No idea. Yeah. It is, this is a deep dive. It is Wayne Knight. I did the box score for the movie. <laughs> Wayne Knight gets put into the game later and hits a three-pointer after he gets smashed and blown up like an accordion and the ball shoots mm. out of his grasp and goes in there and he sinks a three-pointer. No other player on the Toon Squad makes more than one basket and none of them shoot three-pointers. Um, well, speaking of Wayne Knight, 
Dude is not aged, man. He looks great. Like, if you take a look at Wayne Knight now, I mean, he pretty much looks like he did in Space Jam. Oh, so, and this, I mean, is, this is prime Wayne Knight time, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, he's yeah. doing Seinfeld, coming off Jurassic Park, doing this movie. I mean, man, what, you know, he was, he was in limos. He was, yeah. you know, right this way, Mr. Knight. I mean, I want that guy's The genius. dude was feeling it. Um, and then the second trivia question was, how many points does MJ score in the game? Wow. Wow. These are some analytics, Joey. I don't know. If I had to guess 30, 32? Take a guess. I'm, I'm going to go just because they would do something metaphorically, like uh, make it 23. So I'm going to say 23 points. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I like it. On camera, I'm just doing on-camera box score. He only scores 15 points in the game. He scores only two points in the first half, and then he scores 15 points, and technically it's 15 because I count the half-court game-winning dunk as a three-pointer, which they don't in the box score of the actual movie, but I'm counting it because it's actually from half court as a three-pointer. Interesting, because then the only thing I noticed, and, and obviously, you know, I'm sure they didn't go the deep dive into scoring, but they end up winning 77 to 76, right? So if Jordan only scores 15, Wayne Knight is the second leading scorer with three. Yeah. That's a lot the, of unaccounted the, points. The score is like 60 to 18, like at the half too as well. So they like, I mean, it's- Well, they didn't play the whole game. They didn't oh, show this the fights. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, they showed most of the fights. I mean, yeah, here's the rest of the box score. Taz scores two points. Lola scores two points. Porky Pig, two points. Elmer Fudd, two points. Pepe Le Pew with the kiss, uh, two points. Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Bugs Bunny, kind of a bad game. Two turnovers, one steal. Daffy Duck, turnover. Uh, <laughs> Foghorn, Leghorn, turnover. Uh, the plus minus, just not really there. Um just not really happening. Just not going for it. And I kind of want to wrap it up with this. I mean, so we've got MJ's speech is amazing. Uh, MJ uh, in the last dance, uh, as we all know, is a guy who gets in people's uh, grills, uh, challenges them verbally, in some cases abuses them to get them to bring them up to the level that he does. And what does MJ do to these cartoons? He tells them to get in their faces. Uh, something that he did for the rest of his career. Uh, he tells him to drink a secret sauce, uh, something that Daffy doesn't feel so great about. And he's like, you know, I, I don't know if they taught me about this in health class. And MJ goes, do you want to win or not? Yeah, I mean, they don't test either. They weren't testing. Oh, uh, they don't No, They don't test either. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the MJ, MJ really puts the pressure to these uh, to these cartoons at the end of the game, uh, which really makes you think, you know, you know, was it worth it? Was it all was it all really worth it uh, in the end for these Looney Tunes? Um, well, the thing too is that, like, right, like it's kind of anti Michael when he when he uh, doubles the ante, right? Because the whole reason he doubles the ante when he says, uh, "You get to keep me if we lose," is because he wants to give Charles and Patrick their powers back. Real life MJ couldn't care less about giving those guys' <laughs> powers back. He would not be putting himself on the line to be enslaved ever on Moron Mountain for the sake of Charles Barkley, Muggsy Bogues, and Sean Bradley's basketball abilities. Oh man, he'd smoke a cigar and just like taunt them with it, with the ball like right in front of his face. He's like, oh yeah, too bad. Too bad, guys. <laughs> and he named the dog Charles too as well. And then finally, let's get out of here on this note, the soundtrack. Uh, thoughts, feelings. Uh, I mean, you go through the list. Let's just, well, we, we won't go track by track, but I'm just going to read you a list of people that are credited on this album. Uh, Seal. R. Kelly, moving on. Coolio, uh, the Quad City DJs, uh, Be Real, LL Cool J, 
Busta Rhymes, Method Man, All for One, Monica, Biz Marquee, Jay-Z, Salt and Pepper, and fucking Spin Doctors. The Spin Doctors are on this, <laughs> they're on this soundtrack. This is a good well, yeah, I had it. Who yeah. didn't? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still, I think, one of the more successful soundtracks that are out there. It went platinum six times over. So, I mean, it's a pretty successful soundtrack. My only, you know, I know that you kind of passed over, but the only, you know, the fact that the movie opens and ends with, I can, you know, uh, I believe I can fly. It's just, it, it, it kind of. Uh, uh, you can't do it, huh? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the R. Kelly is, is it's tough. It's tough. But I mean, Quad City DJs, I'll get up for that song every day, man unbelievable coolio's the winner is like a real uh a deep track on there that i didn't really realize it was amazing uh pretty good had no idea that jay-z's got a couple verses on one of the songs on this uh on this I soundtrack wasn't aware of that by, by any, um, i'd be interested to hear some of the looney tunes uh speak out on r kelly and their experiences with him yeah <laughs> try and distance I'm waiting, themselves waiting for that documentary yeah lola lola does not have good <laughs> stories Oh, man. I mean, the only thing about that is I never even really liked that song to begin with. I mean, I get it. Sometimes, you know, there are songs that are really catchy and you know that they're catchy. And you know that they're quality songs, but they just never really grab you or interest you. That song never really interested me. Um, I do enjoy Seals Fly Like an Eagle. Uh, he's, uh, he's also got some issues, uh, too, as well. <laughs> so, But the funny part about it is we were watching it and... My wife Mara was also commenting that like this movie's soundtrack got its way into so many different parts of our lives when we're growing up. Like for her, it was cheerleading. Like there, there's like 60% of the album she said that they would use for uh, cheerleading exercises one way or the other. You know what I mean? Um, take your chance to your dance is a space jam. We all <laughs> still know the lyrics to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I believe I can fly. Everything aside was a, a, a chart topper. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it just gave birth to all these different, not only in the moment bands like All for One in the 90s, but all these different future artists too as well that like move forward. Right. That, I mean, that was the power of MJ, right? Like literally every major, you know, R&B and rap artist wanted to be a part of that soundtrack. Dude, the whole movie just like ever lasted. I mean, like, you know, you still see the memes of the, of the guys and their residual checks. I was in like Michael's in January. And saw a Toon Squad wallet, like, sitting wow. on a shelf. And I was like, what? how is there, is this still around somewhere? Like, Well, you made the perfect point. It holds up perfectly. And I think, by and large, because of the fact that it was an animated film, like, yeah, there's no, you know, obviously there's the real life action that takes place in the beginning and end. But, like, since it predominantly happens in this this artificial world, like, yeah, it's kind of timeless. So, yeah, like, I, I when I, I watched it, like, last night for the pod and it was just like wow like yeah just visually it still holds it looks like something that could have been released a couple of years ago just because it's so animated heavy um yeah super great ride and really smart too as well as like if it's going to be a kid's film keep it to 80 minutes like what do we you know short, do you, yeah. you don't need to do two hour films i mean uh kyle do you feel like that that kind of helped uh your son calvin kind of enjoy a little bit more just like kind of like a quick ride like what was what do you think his favorite parts were like what resonates to him now? you know like he just i mean the, they don't get a lot of looney tunes and stuff you know unless you kind of force feed it to them uh so i think he just liked he just loved the cartoon characters like interacting and stuff and then the monsters, obviously. I think the, the monsters are probably his favorite part. 
yeah, the animation is still completely holds up. I mean, sometimes, you know, that doesn't necessarily happen where stuff is kind of a tougher watch. Um, but yeah, like uh, really super fun. Danny DeVito in his prime playing like a, a main villain, Swackhammer. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, MJ gambling, uh, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're right at home there. This is the perfect, <laughs> this is the perfect, the perfect moment. Um, hop in Mike. Well, and uh, before we sign off in here, I mean, I, we have to talk about it. I, 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 I think it's just blasphemous that LeBron James wants to do a Space Jam 2, is doing a Space Jam 2. I mean, you know, this whole idea that, like, I'm not comparing myself to Michael, I'm not comparing my... You were literally comparing yourself to Michael Jordan when you make Space Jam 2. So, I mean, he could have done any other project, could have done any other animated project. The fact that he's doing Space Jam 2, I think it's just, yeah, I mean... And aren't there, like, there's, like, crazy things in it, too, like, like not Looney Tunes. Like, who... Yeah, so Ryan Coogler no, I think you're right. Like a directing, lot of like, I don't know if it's going to be necessarily a Warner Brothers Looney Tune property, um, and thing. And yeah, I, I'm kind of torn on that, right? Because for one, I, I'm completely with you. I don't understand why there needs to be a sequel at all to this. I mean, I think LeBron definitely needs to be in a movie, and he can definitely do a movie for kids. Why does it have to be Space Jam Two? Is that more because of the the IP property? of the name space jam you know what i mean is that is that some sort of like production head being like well we need to have something that has some sort of a brand name to it for all this merchandise to be able to roll it out i mean are they kind of being pressured into do that sort of thing i mean i don't really get the vibe that lebron is trying to copy mj right um but at the same time i have my doubts about whether it would be able to live up to the original i mean you're gonna have to probably bring someone in that has a lot of great comedy chops it's going to have to be written really smartly in terms of what the, the cartoons are going to be doing. Um, and then, you know, what, you know, what is the story? What exactly is going on? Um, oh yeah. Like the mask. They said that the mask is, is in it somehow. Like you guys, Jim, you carries, guys Jim carries the mask. Uh, Voldemort, the ever. Joker, the wicked witch. So yeah, some Space crazy Jam references. Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you guys I don't mean, think it's like directly going after his legacy? I mean, I just I can't think of anything that's more pointed than like I'm literally taking the only feature film property that Michael Jordan has been involved in and redoing it or remaking it or rebooting it. I mean, I can't think of anything that's more going after someone's legacy than that. So to know, me, I mean that I, I I just had my doubts like because just because there was you know what they. They re the reboot, right? Uh, they did a movie called Point Break that came out four or five years ago that no one saw. Um, that was literally tried to be this reboot recreation of sure. Point Break, and honestly, didn't really seem like it had any of the same hallmarks other than maybe on paper plot points that might have had some similarities, but not even close to even being what we would call a spiritual sequel. And they put Point Break on the poster because they wanted to sell money and. There's a part of me that thinks that there is something going on there. I would be interested to see if they do want it to be like a spiritual sequel, but it kind of feels a little bit more of like, you know, it's LeBron doing a kid's movie with cartoons. Uh, let's just call it Space Jam 2 because we know that it's going to have a great opening weekend. And put the mask and the Joker in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that part. I mean, that part. Kids. Is it going to be You're a doing Roger, it for the kids? Yeah, Roger Rabbit situation. Voldemort's uh, going to play basketball. Well, I do know this. When Space Jam 2 comes out, I'm going to have both of you guys back. 
uh, and we are going to do a proper review of it. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for Space Jam. Uh, thank you All so right, much for joining us. Kyle Moore, Mr. Mike Choi on the pod today. Thanks, this Joey. the Chicago Sports Movie Podcast Series. This was Space Jam today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That's going to do it for us today. You guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening. This episode was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. This was Believe in Betting in Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Be well, be safe, be good to each other. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.